Cole Hamels and Tyler Glass now looking pretty good in their debuts with their new teams. Chris Towers looking pretty good with that uh, the short sleeve, the t-shirt on. Got sun's out, it's, guns out. It's casual day today. Is it really? Uh, I'm wearing a hat. You are. Some sneaks. You go to the All ball kinds game? of casual wear. <laughs> why, what, why? Color, what color socks are you wearing? I am wearing uh, some black and gray oh. and teal stripes. No. There's, no. there's teal. White, there's color. White is the only correct answer if you're doing casual day. I don't own any white socks. <sighs> that doesn't surprise me. Uh, it surprises me that anybody in the world wouldn't own any white socks. But I own zero white socks. That's stupid. Okay, so I'm not let's, a dad. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk fantasy, <laughs> be- <laughs> fantasy baseball here. Yeah, we're gonna talk about all those awesome debuts. We had some interesting double dongers last night. Jake Bowers and Cole Calhoun continue to tee off. Noah Syndergaard is he going the Clayton Kershaw, Madison Bumgarner route? Bumgarner route. We'll discuss that. But how about Cole Hamill, Scott? Uh, five innings, one unearned run, nine strikeouts at Pittsburgh. Fourteen swinging strikes on ninety-five pitches for Hamels. He's got two starts at Kansas City and home against Washington next week. Is this anything more than just one encouraging start for Cole Hamels? I I think it would be an overreaction to say it's more than one encouraging start for Cole Hamels, but I do think the fact his entire road stat line while he was with the Rangers I think is encouraging, and this was another start that wasn't at... Globe Life Park in Arlington or whatever it's called, where the Rangers play. It's been far and away the most hitter-friendly park this year. Um, you know, it doesn't flatten breaking balls the way Coors Field does, but in terms of actual result data, it, uh, it's been the worst. And Cole Hamill's ERA was over six there and under three everywhere else with greatly improved strikeout and uh, home run numbers away from Texas too. So, so how confident are you? How confident? Another are you? good start away from Texas. Uh, how confident am I in Cole Hamels? Uh-huh. Um, I, I mean, he's must own. I would probably start him more than not. I would plan to start him more than not. I want to say must start, but uh, I think even in most one start weeks, he'll probably be worth starting. Yeah, Chris. I don't know where you have him ranked, but I just. Off the top of my head, I would think like in the forty range, makes sense to me. That starting he's a little lower than that. Yeah, but not much. Okay. He's like fifty fourth or something, maybe right. a little higher. So I, don't know. I, uh, I could pull it up and tell you exactly instead of just guessing. That'd be a good idea, right? I got you, Scott. You got him fifty fifth. There you go. Yeah. One off. So from one encouraging debut to another, Chris Towers, Tyler Glass now is fifteen percent owned. Three innings, one run on two hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. And they're going to you know, try to stretch him out to be more of a conventional starter for the Tampa Bay Rays, as far as I know. Um, what do you think? Are you motivated to add Tyler Glass now? I am so motivated to add Tyler Glass now, but I was before this start. This start was encouraging. Um, you know, The control was actually not a problem. It was only three innings, so we'll see. He could have gotten into the fourth and walked four guys, and that wouldn't have been a surprise given what we know about <laughs> Tyler Glass now. But, you know, yeah. the talent here is undeniable. And the question is, you know, he's got like a 14% walk rate on the season. If they can get that down into the 10% range where Blake Snell's been, I think he has the same upside Blake Snell does. I think he can actually be a better strikeout pitcher than Blake Snell. Um there is huge upside with Tyler Glass now in the second half of the season, and 
I want some exposure to that. I don't think he's worth adding in every league, but he will have SPARP eligibility moving forward because he was a reliever for the Pirates. So there is the potential for him to be a really useful player down the stretch. Okay. All right, cool. Hey, what about Jake Faria, Scott? 20% of Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as encouraging of an outing as Tyler Glass now, and I make that comparison because they both pitched about three innings in the same game. Uh, Faria walked three, and walks have been an issue for him all season. I was encouraged to see, I mean, he only threw five change-ups. That's his best pitch, but he got a swinging strike on three of those five, and but it was both the walks that were an issue in early on and the fact that his changeup wasn't nearly as effective early on. So that's, if you want to take something encouraging away from the outing, that's what I'd take. I suspect since they don't have any starters left, at least not until Snell comes off the DL, I suspect Faria will be, uh, be stretched out to use as a starter going forward too. Okay. Yeah. They, he piggybacked off of glass now yesterday. Uh, more debuts. Jonathan Scope, 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. He batted fourth. He played second base. And the most interesting part of this, Travis Shaw sat against a lefty. And I think we'll we'll give it a little more time and see what happens. But Hernan Perez started against a lefty, and he's got you know pretty good numbers against lefties for the second straight year, uh, Hernan Perez. Meanwhile, Brian Dozier had a great debut. He homered. He doubled. He scored twice. He batted fifth. He played second base for the Dodgers. And uh, we will see what happens when Justin Turner comes back today in terms of what that means for Chris Taylor, for Jack Peterson, for Yasiel Puig, etc. But um, bad debut for, for Max Muncy. For Max. Oh, Muncy didn't play yesterday, did he? He he played. He didn't start. He okay. came in as a uh, a late inning replacement. So, yeah, that's that's going to be fascinating. Cody Bellinger started at first base last night and then moved to center field. He leads the Dodgers in appearances at first base and center field this season, which is hmm. kind of funny. Yeah. Um. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. My guess would be that Max Muncy stays in the, the lineup every day, but maybe not. Well, uh, okay, I'll get to a Tommy Pham question. We'll go to him in a second. But is is now the time to sell Max Muncy, or should we hold? I'd hold. Yeah, I would I, guess his value is too low right now to sell. I, based on they, there see. seems to be a Muncy panic falling over at least my Twitter followers. Oh, yeah? that's Since the... Since the trade broke, that's the one everybody's freaked out about, which I think says something about how good Max Muncy is. And surely if all his owners realize it, the Dodgers do too. I mean, he's their best hitter. Oh, well, other than Machado. I guess I can't say he's their best hitter anymore when they have Machado. But he's been their best hitter this season. The question yeah. is, it was a half season, and it was completely out of nowhere for his career. But all the peripherals backed it up. That's what makes Max Muncy's whole thing so tough is did he just have a, an amazing two months maybe but i i like what we saw enough that i hope they keep giving him a chance yeah and he's also ice cold i think that's probably part of the consternation sure. for fantasy owners he's striking out a lot uh so uh so bad day for travis shaw i guess a bad day for max muncie but we're not going to draw any conclusions just yet meanwhile tommy fam also had a bad day over three he scored a run he walked he struck out and uh, here's an email from Drew in Chicago. How droppable is Tommy Pham in redraft and keeper leagues? No more droppable than he was before the trade. Probably less droppable than he was before the trade. All right. Yeah, well, I independent of so. that, independent of that, how droppable is he in redraft and keeper leagues? Uh, 
It would depend if it's if it's a three points. If it's a three outfield league, yeah. If it's a three outfield league, he's a little bit droppable. In a five outfield league, I don't think he can. Yeah, there's you couldn't even dream of it in a five outfielder league. Yeah, in a three outfielder league, I wouldn't want to myself just because we know what the upside is. Uh, But you know, let's say it's a ten-team three outfielder league. I can understand it. There's always a lot of good options on waivers in that format. You kind of. To some extent, you kind of always have to be cycling through the hot hand, uh, cycling yeah. from one to the next in that format. Would you rather have Gregory Polanco or Tommy Pham rest of season? I would rather have Gregory Polanco, who you may be surprised to learn has, I think he's caught up to Mitch Haniger in head-to-head points this year. Yeah, that's because uh, well, Mitch, Mitch Haniger is, uh, since May 1st, I think he has like a 760 OPS, something like that. It's been... Which isn't terrible, I mean... It's not, but it's, it, ain't, it ain't great, that's for sure. If it was doing it over a full season, it'd be bad, yeah. Um, but I, I think that's top... Let me let me stop with the I thinks and just pull it up. I think they're both top 15 outfielders. So yeah, Greg, okay, so Gregory Polanco, Gregory you look Polanco at it... made up a ton of clearly. April and May, he had... Uh, mid 700s OPS and he's been about a thousand OPS guy since uh, so even when he wasn't doing that well he was still hitting pretty well and then he's just been spectacular uh, over the last two months and you know there's a lot of reasons to think he can keep at least some of it up not a thousand OPS but a, a high 800s OPS for sure mm-hmm. yeah Gregory Polanco is real and he's spectacular Chris trust the process <laughs> I, Scott got the reference. Chris, do you get that? Real? I got the reference. Okay, okay, okay. Just, are you sure? I can't take yeah. you seriously. You look like Dan Lebetard right now. It's from that show. <laughs> Doesn't With, he look uh, like Dan Lebetard? Mary oh, Louise my. Parker. Yeah, Mary Louise Parker. Mary Louise Parker. Um, all right. Uh, so, Hanniger's 18th and Polanco's 19th. So both top 20. Liar. So, uh, by the way, later in the show, we're going to talk about the best of July. Who are the best performers at each position in the month of July? Right now, we're going to talk about the best and the worst from Wednesday. Wednesday's standouts. I'm going to start with Noah Syndergaard. Since coming off the DL, not including the hand, foot, and mouth DL, but since coming off the, the first DL stint, he's made three starts, and he's got a 265 ERA. That's great. But 21 hits in 17 innings and only 11 strikeouts. So, um... <laughs> Are we concerned? That's that's eleven strikeouts in seventeen innings and a ten percent swinging strike rate, which is pretty low. Are we concerned? Because this is kind of like what we see from Bumgarner: low strikeout rate, but good ERA. Kershaw: low strikeout rate for him, more like a caper inning, but lower swinging strikes. You know, is this too too early to get concerned about Syndergaard or or what? Yeah, it's too early, and you have to remember one of those three starts he was just. They were just figuring out he had hand, foot, and mouth syndrome. So I imagine he was dealing with, just mm-hmm. having gone through it myself, I imagine he was dealing with flu-like symptoms in that start. And that was the one where the velocity was down, really, uh, velocity yesterday. Was down yesterday like, as well. It was down up, like one mile. Like, it wasn't down to an alarming degree. It depends. It depends where the baseline is set. Is the baseline set where he's been this season? Because his velocity's been down all season. Uh, if he averaged 97.5 on his fastball, hit 99 in the game. I mean, that's that, good. that to me is an alarm. It's it, Yeah, I mean, for him, it's down like one mile per hour. But one mile per hour in an, you know, a start where he had a long period of rest, I don't, I, that doesn't really concern well, me. Well, no, he, he averaged 99.6 miles per hour with his fastball last year. And he, it was only 30 innings, but it was 98.9 the year before. So it's, 
His fastball velocity is down. Okay, he's still much. plenty good. Obviously. Oh, well, well, I mean, is he a top 15 pitcher rest of season? Yes. Probably. Would you rather have Syndergaard or Bumgarner? Syndergaard. Okay. Um, other standouts. Chris Towers, got anything for me from Wednesday? No, we talked about Glass now. That was the one I wanted to talk about. It's the only person I care about. Scott White? Uh... Is Lance Lynn on the verge of overtaking Sonny Gray? Does it matter? Yeah, like maybe. And also, uh, I don't care. Someone. Well, They're I'll both. tell you something. It, it certainly matters to Sonny Gray. I'll tell you something. I I, uh, <laughs> I feel bad because I said on the last time we talked about Sonny Gray, I don't believe in him. Two-pitch pitcher now, whatever. But he had had three good starts in a row against bad teams. And he was lined up to face almost nothing but bad teams. It was unbelievable how, how good his schedule was going forward. So I started him yesterday. I started Stroman yesterday in, in the same Roto League. I had a terrible day, obviously. Um, That's not good. And I don't care about the matchups anymore. Now, he, he got a little unlucky in this start. He did. There was a bunt single because Glaber Torres forgot to, uh, forgot to cover first base. In the five-run inning, there was one extra base hit, and it was because of bad outfield positioning. But still, I have, I have very little faith in him. He might lose his job. Lance Lynn's been so bad, so I, I can't see... Can't see any interest yeah, there. I would have no interest in Lance Lynn in a standard 12-team mixed league if he got into the rotation. Like, You're hoping for wins and strikeouts, but he's not a very good strikeout pitcher, and he's going to kill you in ERA and whip. Like Last year, he had a 343 ERA, but the peripherals were dreadful. And this year, the peripherals are just as bad. Um, Eddie Rosario uh, was a standout to me. Yeah, sorry, Scott. No, you're not. No, I'm not. Eddie Rosario, like, he's so frustrating. Eddie Rosario is the number eight outfielder in fantasy still. And in his last 33 games, he has two home runs and a 633 OPS. Should we just assume that he's this really streaky hitter that's going to finish hot? Or are, are there concerning signs for Eddie Rosario? Adam, you know my answer to that specific question. No, because question. you know what? We don't really know who Eddie Rosario is. We're still figuring this out. Eh. I feel like he's, we know he's pretty darn good. I mean, look at his last 365 days. That's a pretty good indication of who he is, I think. Uh, okay. Then I, In then his I... last 365 days, 297, 35 homers, 862. Well, also, also, just ignore the, the streaks. And he's been a 290, 297 hitter the last two years with a slugging percentage right around 500. You know, that, that's two full seasons. Frustrating guy to own. He's just enough to like. Sure. I just want to say this about Lance Lynn. Last 13 appearances, 12 of them starts 350 ERA. Now, the the walks are still way too high, but everything else looks good during that stretch. So, you can yeah, get the walks under control. But he, there's no reason to believe he can. Well, I mean, he's... Like, he's I, I just, a, it's an outlier for his career, how many guys he's walking. So, I think there's I no just, reason to think he can. Just like I said with Eddie Rosario, you know, you look at the last two seasons and he's got a, a like an 860 OPS or something. Last two seasons with Lance Lynn. The ERA was good last year, like I said, but everything else was really, really bad. And so I just like last but 13 much starts better this year, last thir- except the walk. They're not. Last 13 they starts. His, pr- has, his FIP is like 4.5. Why, why don't we wait until he like actually 4.6. gets in the rotation? It's mostly the walks, though. The home runs are low. The strikeouts are high. It's mostly the walks. All right, let's right, wait until last, Lance okay, Lynn last gets in the rotation, guys. Last 13 starts, he has a 4.13 FIP. It, it just, like, 
who cares? All right, let, let's let's just let's just wait. Let's just wait. How owned is he? I imagine some people care about Lance Lynn. We talk about players less relevant than Lance Lynn right, all the time. I, right, so just I how said, dismissive you guys are being is a little mind blowing to me. I'm not I don't think he should be universally owned. In but a he twelve, be like sixty percent owned. Like I said, a twelve-team mixed league. I have no interest in him. Uh, well, he's not even in the rotation yet. I mean, they moved him to the bullpen, for God's sake. We don't know that he's in the rotation yet. That's why I'm being dis- dismissive. Let's wait until they actually make an announcement. Okay. He he, might... Did you see what he did yesterday? I did. He, did. he was much better than Sonny Gray yesterday. And he did it out of the yeah. bullpen. So maybe his right. stuff is so, going to play up better out of the bullpen. Right. And, the Orioles, and the Orioles came into the game. like that. You see this sometimes where the Orioles come right. into the game with a str- right. scouting report for a different I, pitcher. I don't think he's great. I just think he's much more relevant than you guys are letting yeah, on. I think he's bad. He's probably all right. Okay, well, um, Tommy Malone is Tommy Malone relevant? He's made two starts. Uh, he's given up four runs in twelve innings with fifteen strikeouts against the Mets and Marlins. Tommy Malone, one percent owned. I have no idea what to make of Tommy <laughs> Malone. Like, I, there, nothing about him having two good starts, even just two good starts, makes sense. Like, I guess he's throwing a slider now, so that that's different. Maybe that's the key. Maybe Tommy Malone. Just needed to throw a slider all this time, but the good news is Steven Strasburg should be back soon, so we won't have to think about it for much longer. Okay, Tommy Malone is less relevant than Lance Lynn. Agreed. <laughs> now, of course, he could overtake Jeremy Ellickson, but uh, all right, we'll uh, we'll we'll argue about Tommy Malone at a later date. Here's something that we can all agree on. Hiring is a pain in the butt. It takes a long time to find the right applicants, and you don't really know how to go out and get those applicants. They're just they're out there, and you have no way of reaching them, but you do now with ZipRecruiter, with ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. ZipRecruiter makes it easy. ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. This is for small businesses, big businesses, any size. ZipRecruiter will work for you. That's why ZipRecruiter is the highest rating hiring site in America. So here's why it's great. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they do not stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. And as applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. That's a really cool feature. This is ZipRecruiter going out and doing that work for you and finding the right people. And that's why 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. So whenever you need to hire, whenever you need to bring in some talent for your company, use ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's how you can try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash ST. R-I-K-E. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. News and notes, Johnny Cueto needs Tommy John surgery. Bummer. Robinson Cano, still in the Dominican Republic. He could have started a rehab assignment yesterday. He hasn't. But he's been working out at first and third base, according to John Heyman. Uh, You know, I was surprised to see this, but I didn't really think he was having that good of a year. 287 with four home runs and 39 games. And indeed, Cano was only the 11th best second baseman in standard roto, but he was sixth in points because 21 walks to 23 strikeouts, 10 doubles in 39 games. That's a great pace. So right now, he's kind of looking like a points specialist with the you know lack of power, the good plate discipline, maybe some doubles. Um, but he's 65% owned, Robinson Cano. Scott, what should his ownership percentage be? Should it be higher or lower than Lance Lynn's? <laughs> <laughs> It already is higher than Lance Lens. Um, 
it should be. I, if if he's unowned in your league, you should probably pick him up now. Maybe that's not true in a 10-team league or less, but anything standard size or deeper, it's time to pick him up. Because I think, you know, even if even if he continues his home run pace from before the suspension, uh, which, you know, he's obviously capable of better than that, he was still 11th best in Roto, like you said, and Roto's the format where you need a middle infield spot to fill. So I think he'll be, I think he'll be basically must-start down the stretch. All right, uh, Trey Turner has six steals in his last four games, and he is the <laughs> still number six shortstop in fantasy, but he had that little drought. The drought is over. Trey Turner leads baseball with 28 steals, three ahead of Marte, Jose Ramirez, and D. Gordon. Oh, I thought Washington was a little harsh with Sean Kelly, but you never know what's going on behind the scenes uh, for slamming his glove on the mound in that blowout loss, and he got DFA'd. That was, that's weird. Yeah, it was weird. Um, Nick Kingham seems likely to lose his spot in the Pirates rotation after another bad start. Nick Kingham. The Cardinals release Greg Holland. Mike Fires left with a bruised shin. Steven Matz is going to have his forearm evaluated. Uh oh. Scary music. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Uh, Are the Braves going six man, Scott? It sounds like it. They, uh, they, I mean, they're skipping fires this time through with the Gosman acquisition and then their game got rained out yesterday. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a situation where they're one through six every time through, but um, fires hasn't gotten sent down yet. So it looks like if you like him and you play in a deep enough league, he'll, he'll still be somebody who contributes. Who? Freed? Did I say fires? Yeah. Freed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> fires actually got hurt yesterday. Mike Fires left with an injury. Um, I think I may have mentioned that. Tampa Bay DFA to Danny Echevarria, and now Willie Adamas is going to be their everyday shortstop. And he homered, and he homered yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So they're hoping so. maybe this kind of settles him in a little bit. We'll see. Meanwhile, Scott, I think I made the right call dropping Kyle Tucker for Eloy Jimenez. Kyle Tucker sent the AAA. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel better about it now. Who do you expect to be better um, in AAA the rest of the season? <laughs> uh, I, I think they'll both be up. I would. Um, I think they'll both be up again. I mean, obviously the results were bad for Kyle Tucker, but he only struck out like twenty percent of the time and had a really low BABIP. And uh, I, you know, part of it was just George Springer is hurt, and I think they wanted a more somebody they feel more comfortable with in center field in Jake Marisnik. Okay. Uh, Ryan Healy sat with back tightness and Springer still day-to-day with that shoulder soreness. And guys, let me just say... Welcome back. back. Justin Turner. Today. Andrew Miller. Maybe tomorrow. Corey Dickerson. Saturday. Blake Snell. This weekend, and DJ LeMayhu today, and I think it's good that that was, that, that was fun, right? Wasn't that fun? That was that was very optimistic. Sounding. You know what's a like you know what's weird? Just a weird cultural artifact. What's that? The theme song for Welcome Back, Cotter was the number one song in America for a week in 1976. Really? Can you imagine that happening today? A song specifically written. To be the theme song of a television show, being the number one hit. 
What's the mm. best one recently? I can't think of anything. The like, only one I can even think of is the Big Bang Theory. That's Bare a good one. Lady song. Now, um, was that was that written to be the theme song to that show, or did they they just adopt it for that show? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. Yeah, the uh, the theme song to the OC. I don't know if you guys ever watched that. Was was California? Yeah, but that wasn't written for the. I know, but it's a great. I mean, it's a great song. One of the. I best. feel like they're mostly just you know. There's no singing in the theme songs that are. Yeah, opening you know, credits. Really songs. Opening just, credits are done now. Opening credits. It was written done. for the Big Bang Theory. Oh, cool. I just, French, I just had a, that was... French had a really good one, but it wasn't a song. You know? Oh, you and your fringe. That was written by J.J. Abrams himself. Everything's always about fringe with Scott. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about these guys. We've talked about it in years. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cole Calhoun and Jake Bowers, just in case you missed it, they homered again. And they're both 60% owned, Cole Calhoun and Jake Bowers. Chris, you didn't yeah. talk about them yesterday. Talk about them today. Uh. It- hard to argue with what they're both doing especially uh I mean, we've talked about bowers enough over the last month that if he's not if he's not more owned than this by now there's <laughs> nothing we can do about it so it's just <laughs> people don't want to buy into a guy with a 244 bat, <laughs> batting average but we really like him we love what he's doing uh but cole Calhoun, since he came back from the dl he reworked his his batting stance and the results have it's, been spectacular it's so dramatically different his whole yeah. setup and it's not just the results. I mean, they're all results, I guess, but it's not just the number of home runs he's hit, his OPS and everything. The line drive rate is up. The fly ball rate is way, way up. So he, he, it's, it seems like the sort of change that could and, propel him to new heights. And let's not forget, before the season, he was one of the guys, we haven't mentioned it, I think, at all. But he was one of the guys that we thought would benefit most from lowering the walls in Angel Stadium. That's just me, because I did mention that last week, jerk. Well, I wasn't on that episode. <laughs> but you always and listen. I didn't listen to that one. <laughs> no, you're right. We, we did. It hasn't really mattered where he's been. He's homering. Four home runs in his last six games. Calhoun had a 759 slugging percentage in July. Like, I, I, I don't know. You know, it's tough to buy into a guy who's had uh, just kind of a middling career, but damn, you got to buy into a guy this hot, both of them. Yep. He was like, he had kind of gotten into a place in my outfield rankings where I just never bothered to look at him anymore. He was like 97th or something. I moved him up to 42nd yesterday. So that's pretty close to needs to be owned everywhere. Cole Calhoun. All right, just in case you missed it, they homered twice. Glaber Torres, Yasmani Grandal, Marwin Gonzalez, and Jose Reyes. We can ignore Reyes, right? Yes, although first player in like 30 years to give up two home runs in a game and then <laughs> homer twice in his next game. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, Marvin Gonzalez is still 61% owned, and I just don't get it. He now has eight yeah. home runs this year. He had two yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I. he's been over-owned all season. He's had one decent major league season, and you know, it, we we learned that sometimes that is a breakout and sometimes it's just a good season. Yeah. And I get frustrated every time I see him do something well now, because that means, you know, it's bad news for Kyle Tucker coming back. It's bad news for Tyler white, who was out of the lineup yesterday. I even like Tony Kemp more than Marwan Gonzalez at this point. Yeah. Tony Kemp led off yesterday. I got to figure that was because Springer was out, but Kemp's been all right. 
Uh, the other two are, are more, much more interesting. Glaber Torres and Yasmani Grandal. Scott, why don't you talk about one of these fellas? Glaber Torres, two home runs. He has a 902 OPS as a rookie. And Yasmani Grandal is the number two catcher in points, number three in Roto. He has a 263 batting average and 19 homers right now, and he has been scorching hot since, uh, what is it? Uh, does it matter? Eh, whatever. He's very hot. He's, yeah, he's the number two catcher. That, that. Uh, no, I was going to say, oh, he has, a, he has a 1,300 OPS since July 1st. My goodness. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so are the rookie of the year front runners right now, I guess it would be Juan Soto in the NL. Would it be Glaber Torres in the AL? Is there somebody I'm forgetting? No, it's definitely Glaber Torres. Yeah, he's he, high line drive rate. Like the power, it, it's kind of a weird situation because like the power pace has been so good, the home run pace has been so good that it's probably been too good to be true. But at the same time, you know, really good batter ball profile in terms of line drive rate and um, you know hitting enough fly balls to be a power hitter, obviously. He's striking out more and walking less than I'd like, but otherwise, um, I, I don't have too many concerns about just making him my starting shortstop the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because Torres, it doesn't really do anything. Remember we talk about like who could have the second year, the sophomore slump. I'm going to be wondering about Glaber Torres because he, his plate discipline is not anything special. He doesn't steal bases. He doesn't double. He just homers. You know, I, it's, it's a little bit of a scary profile, isn't it? It just depends how early he's going next year because he's like right around 12th in my shortstop rankings. So I think there's enough good and he won't even be shortstop eligible next year. It doesn't look like it'll probably just be second base. But uh, it looks like there's enough good players at both of those positions that he's not going to be like an early rounder. I could see um, him being in like the top 50, though. Yeah, it, it might be another Rafael Devers situation where you look at what he did as a 21 year old and you obviously look at the pedigree and you're like, wow, this guy could be could have a breakout like could break out even more from here. I'm not saying the home run pace will improve, but just all around production. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then maybe he does take a, ha- a step back like Devers did this year. But thinking more long-term, it's it's been a very encouraging start to the career for a guy who I think the most questionable part of his skill set coming out of the minors was how much home run power will he provide. I, I, that, that question's been answered pretty definitively. Chris, what do you think about Tasmania Grandma, the best autocorrect for Yasmani Grandal? He is quite good. You know, we've we've seen stretches like this from him before. <laughs> All right, that was a legit autocorrect in, in the in spring That's training. A funny autocorrect. Yeah, it was I mean, great. like, was it 2016 where he was the number one catcher until he hurt his shoulder? It was yeah, 15 or 16. He's been number two this year, right? He's two in points, three in roto. Yeah, yeah. In terms of overall. So, All right, now, right. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yasmani Grandal or Wilson Contreras rest of season. Contreras hasn't really turned it on the way we hoped, right? No, he's like nine home runs, I think. He homered yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably still go Contreras. But I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Per, per game, I was looking at this the other day, and um, I think it's Real Muto, Wilson Ramos, and Gary Sanchez are the top three. Gary Sanchez, believe it or not. Wow. Um, but I mean, Grandal is, is clearly one of the 
clearly one of the few catchers who really does provide something for your fantasy team. I don't, I wouldn't rank him second. Like he's been in, in terms of total production this year, but he's top six or seven. Yeah. Grandal's also pinch hit a number of times. I was just looking at the game log, probably like eight times. So that's going to hurt his per game production. Um, all right. Uh, let's go to the rest of yesterday. So we can talk about the best of July. Uh, real quick, Randall Gritchick is 23% owned. Is he under-owned? Maybe a little bit. He's he's decent. Okay, great. Uh, Nick Castellanos is 5 for 42 with no home runs since the All-Star break. Castellanos is the number 10 third baseman in both formats. Scott, is this just a slump for Nick Castellanos? Yeah, for the most part. Um, he's still... He's still pretty close to must-start, whether it's third base or the outfield. Okay. Rotation time. Five pitchers yesterday who are owned in 84% of of leagues or more. And some good, some bad. Actually, you know, all of them were pretty good except for Kyle Freeland. Dallas Keuchel, only two strikeouts. But uh, after a July in which he had a 165 ERA, he gives up three runs in seven innings. It was fine. I guess it wasn't that good of a start. It really wasn't, now that I think of it. I mean, three runs in seven innings is pretty Dallas Keuchel-y. Yeah, I guess, but only two strikeouts. That's low for him. Nine base runners in seven. Eh, whatever. It's fine. Carlos Carrasco, on the other hand, was dominant. Seven and a third, four hits, no runs, ten strikeouts at Minnesota. Sean Manaya. Conti- I Okay, sure, Sean Manaya. Keep on doing it with <laughs> 98 strikeouts and 141 and a third. Better strikeout rate recently in his last three starts. Uh, Chase Anderson got a 208 ERA in his last eight starts. And then Kyle Freeland is 84% owned. And that sounds a little high to me. Uh, I said Keiko, Carrasco, Manaya, Chase Anderson, Kyle Freeland. I will turn it over to you guys to talk about this group of pitchers. Manaya, like you said, his swinging, his last three starts, the swinging strikes have been among his best of the season. They still haven't been what you expect from a frontline pitcher, but. Four of it his last five um, have been have been fine. Doesn't have more than five strikeouts in any of them. He still has a one of the lowest BABIPs in the league and um, one of the lowest swinging strike rates among qualifying pitchers. So I still feel like even with a slight uptick in that category recently, don't feel like he's performing over his head. Still. Still worried about him, even as two-thirds of the season is behind us. The swing striker is not that bad, is it? 10.4% is above average. Let me look it up. He's got a 425 FIP and a 338 ERA. It's not a huge, huge gap, but remember like yeah. John, John Lester had a huge gap, and that has certainly come back to bite him. He's been bad. Like I'm I'm waiting for struggles yeah. for Sean Manaya. Should yeah, I know it, it was it wasn't the swinging strike rate. It was he had heading into this start, he had the fifth lowest K per nine among yeah. qualifying pitchers. Fifth yeah, lowest he, among all qualifiers. He is someone that I think could probably benefit from throwing more pitches outside of the strike zone. I think he's just like the stuff is decent. And it always has been. He's always gotten a decent amount of swinging strikes with his breaking balls. It's just, I think he's he's flirting with disaster with the way he pitches, and I'd like to see him try to get more chases. Okay, so 
Carrasco, who's been red hot lately, uh, is number one on this list, clearly. Keiko, Manaya, Anderson, Freeland. Who's two? Keiko? Keiko, yeah. All right, then yep. Manaya and Chase Anderson. Who would you rather have? Manaya. Yeah. Chase Anderson, it's, it's weird because his velocity is mostly back to where it was last year, at least at the end of the year. I, I could talk myself into him over Manaya. Freeland's got to be last, right? Yes. Yeah, he's he's had walk issues recently, and if you're not going to be a caper inning guy, can't have that. And now Kyle Freeland has a 2.45 ERA at home, and he's got two home starts next week against Pittsburgh and the Dodgers, and I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'd start him in a points league, not Roto. Yep. All right, Kyle Freeland, uh, Marcus Stroman, and Luke Weaver. Stroman. Look, I think sometimes he gets singled to death, and he had five yeah. innings. He had he had gave up 11 hits and seven runs. He said his stuff was really good. He gave up two doubles at Oakland, nine singles. Is this just something we have to accept with Stroman? Because since coming back, eight starts off the DL, a 399 ERA, six pretty good starts, two terrible starts. And I, and I think, you know, I know yesterday was singles. I think it may have been the same with the Mets. I'm not sure. The Mets start. You know, what, what do we think? Because I, I was really pissed off. About this start, but sometimes it's you know ground ball pitcher. It's going to happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I haven't changed my opinion on who Marcus Stroman is really. As long as he's healthy, I think he's pretty good, and this will happen sometimes. And then Luke Weaver, do we drop him? Well, you know I'm a little worried about him losing his spot, but uh, well, I guess not so much anymore with Car Martinez on the DL. But Weaver is at Miami and at Kansas City next week. Ooh, <laughs> please make those starts. Yeah, I mean, if he makes those starts, I think you have to start him. But he's been a massive disappointment this season. It's you, you can't exactly argue it's been bad luck. He just hasn't pitched well. I would hold uh, – you probably do have to start him. I would be holding my nose and starting him, though, because I recall past instance, instances where I thought it was a slam-dunk matchup for him, and he got – he had to start like this one. Yeah. And this was he's the concern. totally unreliable. It, it, this was a bigger – I think – Looking back, we should have been more concerned about him as a he was going in the top 100 on draft day and he was really good in 60 innings last season, but he had never struck guys out like that with the exception of one stint in double A. His triple A strikeout rate was good, but not great. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing that the stuff just may not be good enough. He did it. He had all those strikeouts with a below average swinging strike rate, too. He's somebody who needs to get ahead in the count. To have success, he needs to be an extreme strike thrower. And he was last year. He hasn't been this year. In the bullpen, Brad Hand got a a five-out save. Cody Allen had pitched each of the previous two days. Um, And Cody Allen himself has five straight scoreless appearances. Maybe they'll both get saves, but it does seem like Allen just wasn't available. And Alex Cobb is 16% owned. He's got three quality starts in his last four. Do we care about Alex Cobb? No. Eh, no. Okay. It's time for the best of July. Who stood out at each position? Guess who the number one catcher was in July? Tasmania Grandma. Tasmania Grandma mm-hmm. was, but not by much. Salvador Perez actually uh, close behind. Um, so Grandal, Perez, Real Muto, Yadier Molina, Evan Gaddis, and Mitch Garver was sixth. Austin Hedges, Chirinos, Wilson Contreras. Um, 
Yeah, I think you see pretty quickly where the catching position gets ugly in that list. Yeah, Buster Posey behind them, but I think top 10, right around 10. Yeah, I'm not sure there's much here with catcher. I think we let's move on to first base. I'm, I'm just using points, by the way. Uh, Carpenter was the number one first baseman and not even close. He yeah. had uh, th- almost 30 more points than number two, Reese Hoskins. Number three, Will Myers. Paul Goldschmidt, Edwin Encarnacion. Jake Bowers, Yonder Alonso. Anything really jump out so far? Carpenter, Hoskins, Myers, Goldschmidt, Encarnacion, Bowers, Alonso. Where was Goldschmidt? Goldschmidt was fourth. Okay. There were were some concerns about Hoskins um, in May, right? He was striking out a ton. Yeah. After a hot start. Yeah. Right. He's he's really he's quietly. It was it hasn't been the loud way that Carpenter's done it, but he's quietly gotten back on track and looks like an elite player in fantasy again. Basically yeah. since he missed that time with a broken jaw, right? And even just the overall numbers, like he's got like an eight eighty OPS for the season. He's on like a thirty three homer pace. He's he's very good. That's uh, Reese Hoskins. Also on this list of top first basemen, I think he's number eight or nine overall, Whit Merrifield. And maybe we know what Whit Merrifield is now. Power, okay, not legit from last year, but he's batted 320 with seven steals in July. And you want average in steals? You got, you've got Whit Merrifield. He's a little... And he, even, a little in a, even in a points league, he hits a ton of doubles. He doesn't strike out much. He's a little Gene segura e. Yeah, sure. Justin Smoke has more fantasy points than Anthony Rizzo in July. Rizzo only hit three home runs. That's surprising because Rizzo, since they moved him into the leadoff spot, and I don't know if he stayed there, but there was a stretch where he was absurdly hot. Well, he had three home runs in July. They all came uh, July 26th, 27th, and 29th. (laughs) So he's hot. Yeah. But we're still waiting for Rizzo to get, like, white hot. 12 walks, 15 strikes. I mean, everything looks good for him. Just hasn't quite happened yet. Uh, I think that's basically it. Like, Let's see. Joey Votto, one home run. One home run. 19 walks, 19 Ks. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's, nine nine home runs all year. Would you Would you say he's due, Chris? Is he going to get he is due. absurdly hot? He, oh, is, okay. he is due. Uh, you, you will abandon your convictions for Joey. I Votto. will abandon all of my convictions <laughs> for Joey Votto because Joey Votto is the human personification of my convictions. So even if I do that, I'm still sticking with my convictions. Carlos Santana batted 190 in July. He had 19 walks, 19 strikeouts, but he batted 190 with two home runs. We are still waiting for Carlos Santana to erupt. How about second base? The best second baseman, Jose Ramirez, number one, no surprise. Matt Carpenter, number two. Javi Baez, Jonathan Scope, and there's Rugnet Odor, uh, number five. Actually tied with Jonathan Scope for number four in points. And then this is a little surprising. In July, Brian Dozier was the number six second baseman. He hit 247 with five home runs. He stole three bases. Ton of RBI and runs. Uh, 21 RBIs and 19, 19 runs. runs. Yeah. It's a lot, but yeah. it's not like a ton more than the other elites at the position. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. You're right. The Dodgers going for that RBI guy. Yeah, how about that? You know what's Sounds kind of interesting? Like there, I don't think I realized this. Well, I definitely didn't realize this. I don't know if you guys realized this. But Daniel Murphy had a 
a 979 OPS in the month of July. Well, he had the two homer game on July yeah, 31st. I mean, he, he was good overall, though. Didn't strike out yeah. at all. 8.4%. He, he, he might be he might be okay. I did a new trade chart for Roto yesterday, and uh, I think he's back in my top 125 players overall, at least 150. So he's, yeah, he's climbing the rankings again. Um, obviously, we talked about Scope and Odor and how much they've turned their seasons around. So it doesn't surprise me they're fourth and fifth. You just kind of glossed over the fact that Ramirez outscored Carpenter <laughs> in July, even though Carpenter outscored the next first baseman by 30. You didn't think anybody could beat Carpenter. Well, that kind of tells us what's been happening all year has continued. First base hasn't been that good. Not well, at the top. R- Ramirez, Ramirez has outscored Carpenter by 24 points. That's incredible. Carpenter has outscored the next best second baseman by 25 points, and that's Javier Baez. So wow. between one and three, there's 50 points separating Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez was like two Javi points Baez. better per game as a hitter. That's yeah. nuts. It's crazy. He, sh- he should go third overall next year. In both I- formats. Yep. Who's number two? Altuve? Betts? Betts. Betts. And Lindor might not be far behind. I In the new trade chart, he's fourth. Wow. He's fourth. The top four is Trout, Betts, Ramirez, yeah. and Lindor. Yeah, Lindor and Ramirez over the last 365 days have both been 40 homer, 290 average with like 30 steals. Uh, okay, so third base, best third baseman of the month of July. Hey, it's Jose Ramirez and Matt Carpenter, one and two. Alex Bregman, just half a point better than Manny Machado. They both hit 300 or better with six home runs. Machado actually stole, this kind of snuck up, I mean, Machado stole four bases in July. Hmm. He has nine this year. That's cool. That's good to see. Yeah, he had nine last year in the entire season, 156 games. He had zero in 2016. <laughs> and then he had 20. He had 20 right the year before, before that. that. Um, yeah. Baez, familiar names. Nolan Arenado's up there. Eugenio Suarez. So third base was good. So who surprises from this list? Matt Chapman, 322 with three home runs, um, nine, 11 walks to 20 strikeouts, and uh, nine doubles. And I think those nine doubles, yeah, for Matt Chapman, tied with Javier Baez for the most at the position in the month of July. What do we make of Matt Chapman? We've got to have a talk about Matt Chapman. But now's the he time. might be really good. Like, first of all, he, he might be the best defensive player in the universe. Uh, he made a play on a bunt attempt the other day that was absurd. And also, he has cut his strikeout rate down from 28.2% last year to 23% this year. It was a, He was like a 25 to 30% guy in the minors. You put that together with the good pop, this might be a legit, this might be a legit breakout for Matt Chapman. Scott, anyone else here? Michael Franco is right after him. Then Muncie and Shaw and Brian Anderson and Anthony Rendon. Uh, Michael Franco, do you do you buy what he did? 330, 378, 593 with seven home runs in July for Franco. I don't buy he's that. He could be. He could be, you know, a pretty good third base option rest of way. 270-ish hitter with pretty good power. I like Chapman more. Chapman more? Okay. Mm-hmm. And let's look at shortstops now. The best shortstops in the month of July. Lindor, Bregman, 
Uh, Lindor way ahead of Bregman. He, <laughs> he had six steals and seven home runs and more walks than strikeouts. Manny Machado, three. Machado and Bregman have basically put up the same totals, like I said. Uh, Javier Baez, four. And you can see how interchangeable the infielders are. They have so much yeah. eligibility. Uh, we haven't talked that much about Xander Bogarts, but he's been really good. He's And no- yeah. concern. Got hit by a pitch yesterday or the day before. Yeah, the day before. Uh, may not be in the lineup. And you know, I think MRIs and x-rays came back negative, but we remember how good he was last year before... Uh, a hand injury just ruined his season. He kept playing through it, but he wasn't the same hitter. And it's disappointing because it's been, I would say, I don't know if the numbers are that much better than they've been, but I think this has been a legit breakout for him as well. This for season. Bogarts, yeah. Um, and uh, Didi Gregorius is five. That surprised me. It feels like, or six rather. So it's Lindor, Bregman, Machado, Javi Baez, Bogarts. Didi Gregorius, six. Just feels like he hasn't done that much since that first month. But he's kind of been solid lately. Yeah. And Nick Ahmed is seven, Scott. Nick Ahmed. Hmm. Yeah, he's been surprisingly good with the power this season. Hasn't really offered much beyond that. I don't, you know, he had a good month. Is It kind of reminds me of Freddie Galvis's season last year. Uh, after Nick Ahmed, Jose Peraza batted three thirty seven with one home run. Which not surprising. Three steals. Yeah, that's the one that like if he had stolen six bases, I would be excited about Jose Peraza. But for some reason, he's not running. Eight walks, ten strikeouts. Pretty good for Peraza. Yeah, I mean maybe it's just Babbitt because he's he doesn't give you any pop. Well, he's been like this is a guy that people were drafting like a top one fifty player at the start of twenty seventeen, and then he was awful. But in twenty sixteen, he looked like a guy who was going to put the bat on the ball and hit for average and steal like 40 bases. And he's done all those things, except he's only going to steal like 25 bases. And that's not nothing, but it's not much. Top outfielders now in the month of July. Chris, I think you know the top two. Uh, Christian Yelich and Cole Calhoun. Correct. And Yelich with only four home runs compared to 10 for Calhoun. But Yelich batted 400 in July. Unbelievable. 500 Babbitt. But listen, five walks, 25 strikeouts uh, for Yelich as the number one outfielder. What does that mean to you? 11 doubles, by the way, very good. Two triples. When you're hitting 400, you don't have to walk. But the strikeouts are high. They're a little high, but it's 22.3% as opposed to, I think he's like an 18% guy. So that's like a three strikeout difference over the course of a month. It's not nothing concerning for me. All righty. So Yelich is great. Calhoun two. Chris Davis three. Batted three twenty three with nine homers. Mookie Betts four. Gregory Polanco five. Trout six. Hoskins seven. And even in a points league, Starling Marte was eight with with three forty one, seven home runs, and seven yeah. steals for Marte. Big month. He had a monster month. He's been awesome. And that that's a good reminder that next season, Robinson Cano should be fine. Like we tend to, I think, overreact to guys coming yeah, back from Robinson, PD Robinson Cano is just getting worse as a player. He's sure, a different yeah. stage. If, if he declines, if he, if he yeah. declines, it'll be because of age. But I think people might be a, a wary of him as like, oh well, he's not on steroids anymore, and that's not a thing, really. Who who do you feel like did definitively drop off because of that? Melky Cabrera, maybe. I don't think so. He was still good after that. He, I think he, most yeah. of the evidence points to guys coming back from steroid suspensions 
and still being the same guy they were before. Like D Gordon had a down season when he was suspended, but then he bounced back last year and was the yeah. guy he was before. Nelson Cruz has shown no signs of decline ever and maybe right. never will. Well, there are so, groups. Yeah. I was gonna make it <laughs> I was gonna make a terrible joke, but I'm not gonna make it. Uh outfield is a lot of the guys that we've already talked about, but yeah, I don't I don't really know Remember when Charlie Blackman was struggling? He had a four forty one WOBA and a like ten forty OPS, so he's fine. Yeah, Carlos Gonzalez actually even a little bit better than Charlie Blackman. Yeah. Yeah, he's up to two ninety now for the season. He's he's playing every day. Um probably somebody we need to look into again as a mixed league option. Seventy four percent own Carlos Gonzalez, and at the very least, own him in a daily league, start him it in home games. And finally, we'll do starting pitcher. And then I am so sorry, everybody. I do have to go. I have a pediatrician appointment. Are you feeling okay? Yeah. You know, I have diaper rash. Zach Granke was one in July. Trevor Bauer, two. And Jake Arrieta, three. With uh, with 28 strikeouts and 35 and a third. Chris Sale, four. Keiko five. Win-loss is very heavily weighted here when you look at just a small sample. Yoli Shasin was number six. Do we need to care more about Yoli Shasin? You know the answer to that. He is. He keeps getting this Babib luck. That's going to run out eventually, even if it's been going on for a year and a half now. Don't buy it. Uh, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Aaron Nola, Marco Gonzalez. How much are we buying Marco Gonzalez? He's good. Yep. Pretty not much great, but he's good. Completely. He's top 40 for me. Okay. Do you like Marco Gonzalez better than the guy right after him, Kyle Gibson? I yeah. do not. I actually... Oh, okay. Um, I have Gibson one spot ahead of Gonzalez. All right. That's- Gibson was not in the top 30 in fit. Oh, no. Sorry. That's not true. Move on. That's uh, <laughs> that That's going to do it. That's going to do it for the best <laughs> of July. I apologize for cutting this show short and not getting to today's matchups. Actually, you know what? I owe it to the listeners. I will get to today's matchups. Let's do that. You guys oh, you on. guys deserve it, you listeners. Your baby deserves you, Adam. The baby will be fine. The pediatrician can wait. Andrew Heaney, uh, we're going to start him at the Rays. Uh, yeah. Senzatella no. at Michaelis. Michaelis? Uh, Mike, yeah. But not the other. Brad Keller at Ronaldo Lopez. I neither. would start neither. Tyler Malley at Max Scherzer. I would start Max Scherzer. Pablo Lopez at, at Nick Pavetta. I'll start Nick Pavetta. Mm-hmm. Fultonevich at Vargas. I'll start Fulty. Sabathia at Brian Johnson. I would prefer to start neither. Yep. Robbie Erlin at Mike Montgomery. Would prefer not to start Erlin, but I could t- I could start Montgomery. Not me, but yeah, it's a good nah. matchup. A- Andrew Kashner at Giovanni Gallardo. No. Nah. Yolisha no, Vonnie Gallardo. Yolisha seen at Clayton Kershaw. Well, definitely Kershaw. Probably I not Shasin. Probably wouldn't start Shasin. Bumgarner at Granky, yes. And how about Brandon Compton at Felix Hernandez? No. No. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Back on Friday with some fantasy regulation and getting you ready for week 83. See you later.